everybody, and welcome to Scorch Justice, the podcast covering the murders of Jessica Lynn Chambers and Ming Sheen Show. And I'm Woody Overton, your host. When I left you last, I was telling you about Quinn Tellis. And now he is in prison or in jail, locked up in the state of Louisiana. He's a suspect in the death of Ming Chow, better known as Mandy. At some point in time, the investigators in the state of Mississippi are notified that Quintellis is being looked at for the murder of Mandy, the brutal murder of Mandy. So what do you do? Well, they know they talked to him two times. The first time he played down their relationship with Jessica Chambers. Said it had never been sexual or anything like that. And, you know, he was with her the morning of her murder on December 6, 2014. But she dropped him off at his house at noon. And that's it, right? No more contact, etc. They go back and question him again. This is in January, y'all. Just over a month after Jessica was burnt to death. He changes his story from they were just friends to they actually had sex in his yard on the side of the house and even described how they had sex in her vehicle by laying back the passenger seat. When her car was found after they put out the fire, they discovered the passenger seat was laid back. And I, you can't really say he was a, a suspect because the investigators still focus on Eric or Derek. One of the last things Jessica was able to get out of her burned throat. But now he's locked up, suspect for murder, and They've got him. Louisiana authorities have him dead to the rights on using Mandy's credit card. And this is after Mandy is found brutally stabbed to death, y'all. She was a 34-year-old graduate student. She was stabbed 30 times some of which were superficial to her upper chest and neck as if she had been tortured. Quinn pleads guilty, but said he got the card from someone else and he didn't stab her. And he got a 10-year sentence, which means he would have got out possibly in 2025. But what do you do if you're an investigator on Jessica Lynn Chambers' case? Well, shit, let's go talk to him again. But before that happened, 
a guy named Paul Roulette, who's an intelligence analyst. He's an expert on cell phone data, y'all. And he can pin a phone to a certain place and a certain time from the data off the phone. So they start looking at Jessica's phone records and Quinn's phone records. And guess what happens? He's able to establish that Jessica was in Batesville at 6 p.m. on December 6, 2014. Remember I told y'all I drove that route from Quinn's house to Batesville. But more importantly, they look at Quinn's phone records, Paul Roulette does. And guess what? He can establish without a doubt that Quinn's cell phone was also in Batesville at 6 p.m. or right by Jessica's. So now Quinn's back on the radar. He's the he's suspect in the murder in Louisiana and they know he's lied to them at least once. So what do you do? You load up, you drive the two hours to the Louisiana jail and you get Quentin out to talk to him. Now John Champion was a district attorney for Panola County and he and the team of investigators go over and they record three different interviews with Quentin. Let me back up for a second. You have to remember when they asked Quentin in the second interview about when he heard about Jessica's death, he said when he got back to Cortland, when he came back from Batesville, and where he went to buy the prepaid credit card, he said that it's the first time that he heard she was burned. And he changed his story about having sex with her and everything else. And they asked him about the communications with her, and he said he deleted everything off his phone. He had no messages. He had no call log. He had nothing. And the investigator asked him why. I think it was the FBI investigator. Asked him why. And basically, he said because she wasn't going to be around anymore and I didn't want her on my phone. That should have been a huge flag, y'all. But fast forward. This is what was established. Quinn called Jessica Chambers at 4.30 and woke her up. He said he wanted to hang out and go to a restaurant. Jessica said, okay, you pay for the meal, I'll go. Jessica had plans for her friends Keisha, and she wanted to tell Keisha what she was doing, where she was going with Quentin, that she wasn't going to be able to hang out with her, right? But Keisha didn't answer the phone. After 5 p.m. on December 6th, 
Quentin is seen walking to the M&M Quick Mart or whatever you want to call it, that convenience store that I told you is diagonally across the street from Quentin's house. And the camera, thank God, one of the cameras points in that direction and it actually covers his driveway. But after 5 p.m., y'all, it's getting dark. It's that time of the year. Total darkness by 5.30. The camera catches Quentin walking to the store. And he's waiting for Jessica to pick him up. And he doesn't have to wait long. About 15 minutes later, he walks south out of the M&M Mart, off, off camera, if you will, okay? Remember, the the manager of the store said Jessica usually puts a few dollars of gas in her car at a time, and she comes in that night, and she tells the manager at the M&M that she needed to make sure she had a full tank. She bought $14 worth of gas, y'all, and he thought that was strange, and he, and he commented on the amount, but she said she had somewhere to go. She is seen waving to someone on camera. She's in the store. She's waving at someone. She recognizes someone outside or what, and, and waves towards him. You can't see who it is. Jessica contacts Quentin, and they headed south. Not long afterwards, both Jessica and Quentin's phones ping on the cell tower near the Taco Bell in Batesville. So it's logical, right, to think that they're together. But Quentin is adamant that the last time he saw her was at 12 noon when she dropped him off after they'd been driving around, busting the loop, smoking some weed, and her friend Lakeisha was in the car and, and verified that. But when they press him on the issue, they're like, mm, Quinn, you know what? You're fucking lying. You were in Batesville, and Jessica was there. You're both at the Taco Bell. What's Quinn do? Changed the story again. He admits. He said, yep, you know what? You're right. I was at the Taco Bell around 6 o'clock. Now, the analyst is looking at the record still, right? And between 6.49 p.m. and 7.26 p.m., Jessica and Quentin's phones were not being pinged off any towers. The only way your phone doesn't ping people off a tower is if you turned it off. Both phones were turned off. Witnesses told police a vehicle left Quentin's home at 7.10 p.m., when they asked Quentin about this, he says it was his uncle. Changing the story again, y'all. At 7.26 p.m., a car pulls up by Quentin's sister's house, which is next door to his. And again, y'all, I've been there. I've seen these residences. I wanted to see it. I wanted to have it in my mind's eye. At 7.40 p.m., Jessica's phone turns back on and Quinn's phone turned back on. Quinn 
called Jessica's phone and left her a voicemail and says, my friend is coming over tonight. I will call you tomorrow. Good night and sweet dreams. He said he wanted Jessica to know that his girlfriend was coming as a warning, y'all. Remember now, he's having sex with her, according to him. And y'all, but the problem with that was Quinn's girlfriend was in Louisiana. And it turns out to be the same girl that he marries on the day that Mandy's body is discovered brutally murdered, stabbed to death in her apartment. Witnesses also said that a car drove down Quinn's driveway to the storage shed and got something out of the storage shed and the car left. At 8.24 p.m., Jessica's phone is found on the side of her car and the battery is separated from the phone. So back to Quinn's alibi. I told y'all earlier that he said he went to the Piggly Wiggly. Somebody saw him at the Piggly Wiggly and he didn't have a jacket on. At 9 p.m., he's back at the M&M Quick Mart. He's on video. You could see it. But he's dressed in new clothes. And when the cops asked him about that, they're like, dude, why'd you change clothes? He told them that he took a bath. He goes on when they're questioning him, and he told the cops that he wanted to have sex with Jessica on December the 6th, the day she was murdered. But Jessica was on her period. The one thing the medical examiner did in the Jessica's autopsy is they did establish for a fact that she was definitely not on her period. The police find that Quentin's best friend's name is Derek who is his girlfriend's cousin and sister's ex-boyfriend. But they couldn't tie him to it. Now, this is a fuck up. I don't care what you gotta do. You find this out after you know Mandy has been brutally murdered. You know Quentin's lying, lying, lying. Every time you confront him with a new fact, he lies. Fuck me. You find out his best friend from Louisiana. His name is Derek. I'm all over that. I'm going to ride or die till I can prove where in the fuck Derek was. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. I walked up that hill. I drove that road. There is no way Jessica Lynn Chambers' car got there by itself set on fire, and the person who did it ran out of there. It's like many mountains, y'all. 
okay, and it's woods and it's steep embankments and it's nighttime, you better believe my professional opinion as career law enforcement is that whoever set her on fire, they damn well had a ride out of there. The guys that were coming from the opposite direction and saw the car on fire but didn't see Jessica, I'd submit to you that wasn't moments probably after the fire was started. He had a ride. Somebody had a ride. Whoever did it to Jessica, they had a ride. Who better to give you a ride than your best friend? And guess what? What if your best friend was hanging out with you earlier and you don't have any money? You got a long history for burglary, larceny, etc. How do you get your money? You take it. If it's established that Quinn wants to have sex with her that day, he even admits now that he, he tried, but she was on her period. Maybe something went wrong. Maybe Jessica's like, no, bitch, I'm on my period or whatever, and he still tries, and maybe, I'm just thinking hypothetically, he kills her or thinks he's choked her out, choked to death on accident in that passenger seat of the car that's laid back. Holy shit. You go into oh shit mode, right? Well, if your homeboy is there, your best friend, Derek, first of all, if my best friend's there and, and Jessica's coming over, we're coming back from Taco Bell or whatever, maybe Derek went to Taco Bell too. Look at that. Why don't you get Derek's photo put it in a six-pack and show it to all these witnesses, show it to the Taco Bell. What if Derek was there? His Quinn's best friend. Because I'm gonna tell you something, if Quinn did this, he didn't get out of there on foot. If he, I, and me as a guy, Jessica's a beautiful girl. I'm a, I'm a sporter, right? I'm gonna show her to my best friend. Yeah, look at this chick that I'm banging, right? Especially at that age. But if something, went wrong, sugar turned to shit, and you think you killed her, and you go into oh shit mode, what do you do? Well, first of all, you, you get gas can out of the building, drive a couple miles away, dispose of the car, you set it on fire, and then you gotta ride out with Derek. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, y'all. You know, life can really be overwhelming. And, like, I've got two podcasts out now, Real Life, Real Crime, and Scorch Justice, and keep it up with all the social media and fans and the shows and the public appearances. Hey, it's tough. You know, and, and even I get a little burned out. Even though I love it so much, but I get burned out, and I need to refresh myself. And I use BetterHelp. I can get a counselor that understands where I'm coming from and helps me refresh my brain, if you will, and recharge my batteries enough so I can keep pushing on to deliver y'all the best content, right? Better Health, my therapist, man, she loves me. And I think she gets a kick out of me uh, complaining about some of the things that I complain about, but it's the truth. And I'm thankful for the service of Better Health. I'm thankful for the therapy. It really is something that can help you 
in a non-traditional way of just trying to talk to a family or a friend member. So BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Scorch Justice listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash scorched. That's better H E L P dot com slash scorched. And y'all scorched is all capitalized. Give them a chance. If you need some help, maybe you just want to make yourself a little bit better, use a therapist at BetterHelp. going back to the morning of December 6, 2014. Chambers texts Tellus and says she just woke up. That was at 9.02 a.m. 9.11 a.m., Tellus texts Chambers that he had also just woke up. 9.50 a.m., Chambers left her house. Chambers was gone in the morning. Her mother testified. Her mother assumed she was at work. But we know that's not true, y'all. She went and picked up Lakeisha, and they they busted the loop. At 10.08 a.m., Chambers says she's going to pick Tellus up. At 10.09 a.m., Tellus texts Chamber that he's ready to be picked up. At 10.13 a.m., surveillance video from the M&M gas station and convenience store shows Chambers pulling into Tellus' driveway. Remember, I told you Tellus lives close enough to the gas station where his driveway was captured by the store surveillance cameras. At 10.14 a.m., Chamber leaves with Tellus. Approximately 10 a.m., Keisha Myers, Chamber's friend, says that Chambers picked her up and Quentin Tellus was already in the car. That they were together for about an hour or two and they dropped Tellus off somewhere around the store, that being the M&M, y'all, that I'll tell you about on Highway 51. Lakeisha says that Chambers was supposed to pick her up later at night to go celebrate her birthday, but never did. The FBI agent, Blunt, says that Tellus told him that Chambers and Lakeisha were riding around smoking marijuana. But in one of his recorded interviews with the local cops, Tellus told them originally that he didn't smoke anything. Tellus told the FBI agent around noon that Jessica dropped him off and that he didn't see her again. Tellus believed Jessica dropped him off in the early afternoon in one interview and then the late morning in another interview. But guess what? One thing that never changes is the truth. But Lakeisha says that the Telus drop-off was an hour or two after 10 a.m., so that's where we get the 12 p.m. approximate time. Jessica Chambers, at, un, at an unknown time, asked Telus for more money. Telus claimed in this interview with FBI agent Dustin Blunt that Chambers never showed up to collect it. This is Telus' version. Change it again, y'all. At an unknown time, Quinn 
said in the recorded interrogation with the local authorities that the last time he saw Jessica was when she asked him for 10 bucks after lunch, which he claimed he threw into Jessica's car during daylight hours. Again, the story's changing. In the early afternoon, Chambers' mom said that Jessica returned home. Lisa said Jessica returned home and that she believed Jessica had been out getting a pack of cigarettes. Jessica takes a nap, and that's what her mama says. At 1.30 p.m., the M&M surveillance video captured Jessica dropping Telus off after driving around that morning or early afternoon. This conflicts with the time that I've already given y'all of around noon and the time given by Keisha Myers and one of the times given by Quentin Tellis. But you know what? Camera doesn't lie. At 2.03 p.m., Quintellis texted Chambers, and she asked him what he wanted, and he texted back, some lovin'. At 4.23 p.m., according to cell phone records, Quintellis called Jessica, and Lisa, Jessica's mom, says that's the call that woke Jessica up. Jessica went to the bathroom and left to get something to eat with the phone against her ear. Around 4.30 p.m., Jessica texted Quentin and said that she wanted something to eat and that she'd go with him if he paid for it. 4.35 p.m., Quentin texted her back and says, call me, and then 25 minutes go by. 4.40 p.m., the M&M surveillance video captured Quentin Tellis at the store. 4.56 p.m., Jessica texts Tellis and asks, where you at? At 5 p.m., now it's dark outside, y'all, Jessica makes a few other phone calls. And then approximately between 5 and 5.15 p.m., Chambers left her house. Between 5.24 p.m. to 5.30 p.m., the M&M surveillance video captured Jessica purchasing gasoline. Quinn is not present at the store, though he claimed he gave her money while she was there. But earlier, he claimed he gave her money while it was still light out. 5.29 p.m., Jessica called Quinn, according to the cell phone records, but that call went to Quinn's voicemail. This was the last call that Jessica Chambers made to Quintellis. 5.34 p.m., Quintellis calls Jessica. Now, y'all, Quinn finally admitted this after denying that Chambers picked him up at approximately 5.30 p.m. and that he and Chambers went to the Taco Bell in Batesville in her car. He finally admitted it, that Chambers picked him up immediately after the call. From 6.08 p.m. to 6.17 p.m., the Tellus and Chambers cell phones ping off the same tower in Batesville near the Taco Bell. Quinn claimed around the middle of the investigation that he had followed Jessica to Taco Bell in a truck owned by a guy named Big Mike. Quinn says the last time he saw Chambers was after leaving Taco Bell. He went one way, she went another. 
later, after his alibi fell through, Quinn admitted he rode with Chambers in her car to Taco Bell. Again, y'all, he's changing his shit over and over. So it's believed that Quinn and Chambers were at Taco Bell for seven minutes, after which she returned to Cortland the same way she always did. You know, I guess, you know, that's about what, how long it takes to order some food through the drive-thru. I think they're together. And I'll tell you more on that when we get to the trial. 6.17 p.m., Tellus calls someone else. Chambers is in the Taco Bell area. I'm wondering where old Derek was, y'all. At 6.25 p.m., both Jessica and Quentin's phones again ping in the same area. 6.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m., Quentin changes the story again and says he was at an area called the Sandbox with Big Mike, and that Big Mike eventually dropped him off at home. Again, investigation progresses, and they find out this is bullshit, okay? Because Big Mike was in Nashville, Tennessee at the time at a football game. Quinn eventually admits that Big Mike alibi was not true and that several other previously attempted alibi witnesses were not really with him. He's changing his story again, y'all. Tell us, at one point told the investigators he gave Chambers money and weed at the M&M gas station and followed her in Big Mike's truck to Batesville recited exactly what they ordered off the Taco Bell menu and that that went to the sandbox, but said he might have been messing up his days. Now y'all, at this point in time, Quentin tells his shit in his pants because he knows his goose is cooked. 6.48 p.m., Jessica called her mother according to cell phone records, and I told y'all that. She said she'd be home soon, and the mom said it was quiet during the call, which is very unusual. At 7.38 p.m., Quinn tells his mother is on the surveillance video going into the M&M store. During an interrogation, Quinn's memory of this is unclear. He doesn't seem to remember his mother leaving and going to the store. At 7.42 p.m., Quinn sent a text to Jessica saying, Honey, sorry I can't be there for you tonight. And he texts her, that he can't see her because his girlfriend is coming up to visit from Louisiana. Quinn then calls his girlfriend in Louisiana. 7.50 p.m., the M&M surveillance camera showed a car pulling into Tellus' driveway and up to the shed. Y'all, it's the same shed where he told the FBI they stored the gas can. 8.04 p.m., Quinn's sister's SUV drove past the M&M surveillance camera heading in the direction of Batesville. Coincidence? I think not. Now remember, the sister knows Derek also. 8.09 p.m., the first 911 caller reports that a car is on fire on Heron Road at the location I've told you all about. 8.26 p.m., a timestamp on the surveillance video places Tellus at Fred's store in Batesville, Mississippi, buying a green dot money card. Remember, I told you it only takes about probably eight to 
15 minutes, depending on traffic, to get from the burn site to that store. What better way to alibi yourself out than to be on camera? Although, as as part for this case, the, that timestamp at the store, they never tried to verify if it was accurate. In a lot of cases, y'all, these recorders are off by a minute or two or can be off by months as in the cases that I've worked. So Quentin, at one point, told the investigators he passed the first responders, presumably who were headed to the fire on his way back to Cortland from Batesville. Quinn also claimed he first went to the Piggly Wiggly in Batesville. There he claimed he was unsuccessful at buying a money card, so he went to the Fred store instead. We know that Tellus changed his clothes between the time he's on the camera buying the card and the time he shows back up at the M&M. And that, that time frame, y'all, if the timestamp is correct on that camera, it took him 36 minutes to get from the Fred store in Batesville back to his mother's in Cortland, drop off the vehicle, and change his clothes. But remember, he also said he took a shower. 8.57 p.m., surveillance video from the M&M gas station captured an SUV drive toward the direction of Telus's sister house. Minutes later, the video shows Tellus walking from his driveway to the M&M gas station. They clocked it, y'all. It took Quinn four minutes to walk from his house to M&M gas station, and he walked it all the time. They established that numerous times on the video. So that's it. I, I just wanted to give you an overall picture of now his story has changed. The, these three recorded interviews after he's in jail in Louisiana, you know, he's changed his story, 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 and to the point where it's just ridiculous. Now they have the cell phone data that he's denied. Now they have his alibi, Big Mike. That some bitch, sorry, Big Mike, but that some bitch wasn't even in the state of Mississippi. He's in Nashville at a football game. They got him on everything. Absolutely bust his balls. And rightfully so, even though they fucked up everything else in the investigation from not collecting evidence to whatever to letting it go this long. But on February 26, 2016, Quentin Tellis is finally arrested for the murder Jessica Lynn Chambers. episode of Scorch Justice, I'm going to cover Quinn's trials, plural.
Scorch Justice is a production of Cloud 10 Media and Real Life Real Crime Productions. The show is executive produced by Cindy and Woody Overton and Sim Sarn for Cloud 10 Media. Matt Provisano is our supervising sound editor. The music is by Josh Cook. Artwork by Brian Stephanie. Be sure to download, subscribe, and like Scorch Justice anywhere you can download a podcast. You can follow me, Woody Overton, on Instagram at Overton Woody and at Real Life Real Crime to hear what I've got coming next. Thank you. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.